It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Johnny B. Good, the host of the podcast, Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company, Centratech. I'll explore how three 20-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way. It's getting to, to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine. And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Side Hustlers, the podcast that tells the story of people following their passion, people who decided they'd be happier if they added a second job to their lives. I'm Carla Marie, your host from iHeartRadio, and I know a promo for Side Hustlers has been airing alongside many other amazing podcasts that you may normally listen to. So if you're new to Side Hustlers, welcome. I'm excited and grateful that you've decided to give this podcast a chance. You can find me on Instagram. It's at the Carla. Marie, feel free to reach out if you're new or if you've been around since day one. And if you're thinking, but who are you, Carla Marie? Like, why side hustlers? So I host the Carla Marie and Anthony show on iHeartRadio's 106.1 in Seattle, Washington. I've lived here for three years. Prior to that, I worked for Elvis Duran in the morning show in New York City, where I got my start in radio. And I was born and raised in New Jersey, went to Rutgers University, but knew I wanted to be in radio since I was a kid listening to Elvis Duran in the morning show. I started Side Hustlers in March of 2018 when someone asked me what my side hustle was and I panicked because I didn't have one and started realizing so many people do. And now essentially this podcast has become my side hustle. So from day one, Side Hustlers has highlighted people 
who side hustle. But this very episode is a little different. This week, I'm talking to Laura Vanderkam. Now, you may know her from the Before Breakfast podcast on iHeartRadio. You may know her from her TED Talk. Yeah, she's pretty awesome. Or from one of her many books. Laura studies time and helps people with time management. You should check out the timesheet she's got on her website. We will get to that in this episode. But after listening to Laura's podcast, I became obsessed with her and the whole idea of time management because she has helped me so much. And I know she's going to help a lot of people who are side hustlers. So if you are a side hustler or you've got the mindset of a side hustler or you think you could be doing better things with your time, this is the podcast for you. I'm giddy over this conversation with Laura and the fact that Laura took the time out of her busy schedule to chat with me. So yes, I do fangirl a little bit. For a lot of people, you know, why are you waiting? You know what you want to do. This is something you want to do. Get up your butt and do it. I'm a hustler, side, side hustler. Do it. I'm a hustler, side, side hustler. Do it. I'm a hustler, side, side hustler. Come on, ask about me. Yo, yo, it's the Side Hustlers Podcast with Carla Marie. So I've got Laura Vanderkam on with me this week. We're not going to go the side hustle route like we normally do. Laura, study. Do I say you study time management? What is the best Sure. Way? That's Yeah, we could say I study time management. Okay. That sounds great. That works. So you've done and you do a lot of things. You are the host of Before Breakfast, which is a podcast on iHeartRadio that I am obsessed with and I highly recommend. You are the co-host of the Best of Both Worlds podcast. You've done a TED Talk on time management. You have Off the Clock, which is a book. The Cortland Boys, which is another book. I Know How She Does It, another book. What the Most Successful People Do, which you write a lot. That is another yeah. book. You've got all the money <laughs> in the world. Books. Yeah. And most recently, you've got Juliet's School of Possibilities, which is available now. It just went on sale. Was it March? Yeah, Pre- March. Okay. So you've got a lot of things going on. And obviously, you study people and time, which is why I wanted to have you on Side Hustlers, because the people who are on this podcast, the people who listen to this podcast, are people who are spreading themselves thin often to follow their passion. But you've got, and I also have printed out here, Laura's little book of life hacks, which you can get for free on your website, lauravandercam.com. So I want to talk about different ways people who want to side hustle can be better with their time or people who are side hustling can be better with their time. One of the things you talk about is multitasking. Now, do you think that multitasking is a bad thing or is there a good way to do it and be better at multitasking? Well, there, you know, when we think of multitasking, we're thinking of different things depending on the situation. And the most obvious kind, which would be like you and I are talking and I'm also trying to answer an email at the same time, is generally a bad idea. Right. Because... Uh, you're you're probably not going to be paying attention to one of these things. And and so, you know, when your brain is going back and forth between two things, you're not doing two things at once. You're toggling back and forth between them and you're losing time on every transition. You're probably making people mad. Yeah. So just, just not a good idea. That said, there are certain things that we naturally do, multitasking. For instance, most people who are listening to podcasts are not just sitting there on their bottoms listening to a no. podcast. Like they're, they're doing something else while they're doing it. They're driving somewhere. They're doing, folding their laundry. I don't know. Whatever it is you do while you're listening to a podcast. I cook, while, cook or shower while listening to your podcast. Okay. Well, there you go. And, and so there's nothing wrong with that. Um, it's just sort of deepening your experience of time. And, and so that's kind of a nice form of multitasking. Or let's say 
going for a run with a friend. You're having social time. You're also having exercise time or maybe going for a walk with a colleague that you need to have a meeting with. That's another great way to multitask, but it's done to deepen time as opposed to really trying to do two very similar things at once. So you also talk about, well, one of the things that I hear a lot from people are, I don't have time to start a side hustle. I don't have time to follow my passion. It's just not going to work. But when you look at the week, which has helped me so much change how I look at time, you don't look at the week as just five days or a 40 hour work week. You look at it 168 hours in your week. Talk a little bit about that and how people can dive into the week that way, opposed to how we normally look at a week. Yeah, well, doesn't 168 hours sound so much yeah. bigger than yeah, 24 does. or than 40? Yeah, like I mean, people always tell me, you know, there's not enough time in the day to get to everything I want to get to. And I, I totally agree. I there isn't enough the time. time. Yeah. But we don't live our lives in days. Like the, a week is more the cycle of life that we actually live. And so 24 times 7 is 168 hours. And one reason to keep this in mind is, is partly just the math. If you are working a standard 40-hour work week and sleeping eight hours a night, so that's 56 hours per week, that leaves 72 hours for other things. It's crazy. Which is a lot of yeah. time. <laughs> like it's, you know, it's, it's hard to believe that if you did have some passion that you were devoted to, you couldn't find, let's say, five hours of those 72 hours to devote to this thing. Now, if you started out and say, well, I have to find an hour every single day, and you know, that, then that's a little harder. But you know, if you're saying, okay, let's say five hours in the course of my 168, well, that sounds a lot more doable. Uh, so there's the math, but it's also just about recognizing that things don't have to happen daily and they don't have to happen at the same time every day to count in your life either. So if you are, you know, working on a, a side hustle that's a passion project of yours, maybe your your deal with yourself is that you will do it one night during the week. You know, you figure out a way that that works for your family or the rest of your life, that you work one evening on it and then devote, let's say, three hours on the weekend to it, that you also figure out a way to have that. And, and so right there, we've, we've put five to six hours into this, but it hasn't happened every day. Like we're not looking for time every single day. We're just looking at the whole of the week and seeing where we can fit it in. Yeah, that's helped me a lot because every day, so my schedule, my day starts at 3.30 a.m. And I work out, then I do my morning show, and then I could be at work from any given time. And you also talk about how a typical day, there's no such thing as a typical there's day. There's never and a typical day. Exactly, especially for my job. I mean, I could be done at 10 a.m., I could be done at 4 p.m. So when you said that, I was like, oh, I'm so glad someone said that because it's so true for me. So when you talked about that in Before Breakfast, it really hit home. But there's so many times where I'll come home, my day will be just done at 7 p.m. And I'm like, all right, well, it's time for bed. I didn't get to do anything for me today. But the next day, I can. If you look at your week like that, it's so much more refreshing. So I fully believe in that. But I also love that you talk about the middle of the week being Thursday at 5 p.m. Oh, yes. <laughs> I love that. I'm like, oh, my God, she's right. It's not Wednesday. A week is seven days, not five. Why do we do this? When did you kind of realize that in your life? So I track my time on weekly spreadsheets which I realize makes me sound like all kinds of fun, but it, <laughs> it's, you know, I'm into time management. I'm, I'm curious how I spend my time. So I track my time on these weekly spreadsheets 
And I decided to have, you know, have the days of the week across the top, Monday through Sunday, half hour blocks down the left hand side, starting at 5am. So it's sort of more represented life as people actually live it, right? Like I've had 1000s of people complete these logs for me. You know, if you start the day at midnight, it just feels weird, because then the first top of right. the spreadsheet is blank, like for most people, not for you, if you're getting up no, at 330. I'm but... actually doing mine next week. And I did move it around to start it at 330. So start, I'm excited. Yeah, to do it. so you could move it. Yeah. But for most people, you know, most people are not doing much at 5am. No. It starts later. So start at 5am. The important thing here is that Monday at 5am is the start of the week. And I think a lot of people listening to this would find that a defensible start of the week. Yes. But if that is the start, then the exact halfway point is 5pm Thursday. And I could see this looking at my time log, like I'd be recording my week, I'd be like, gosh, I've been through a lot already this week. This week seems like it's, it's done, you know, oh, but look, there's the other entire half of this spreadsheet still to go. It's all blank. Like this, you know, I could put a pin here and I've only filled half of it. The other half is completely open. And this is such a mindset shift because if you think of Wednesday as like hump day, right? It's the middle of the week. That's what people say. Well, that implies that a week is five days and this other stuff is just tacked on. It's irrelevant. Like it doesn't have anything to do with anything, but that's not It's our true. favorite part of the week. Most it's of the time. an important part of the week. It's, and it's time. It's time just as anything else is time. And it's, it's a lot of time. Like, I mean, if there, there's 60 hours between 6 p.m. Friday and 6 a.m. Monday or, you know, or 5 p.m. Friday, 5 a.m. Monday, it's 60 hours. Like, you know, you're sleeping for 24 of it. That's still 36 hours. It's a lot of time. Yeah. So if you've completely written it off and not talked about it or thought about it, you are missing so much of your time. It's, it's not giving enough honor to your leisure and family time and uh, to pretend like it doesn't even exist. And I think it's also helpful for people who say travel a lot for work. I mean, you know, there's a lot of people who are maybe in, in consulting type work and you leave on Monday and you come home from the client on Thursday. You're like, I travel hundred percent of the time. I was like, well, no, you don't, don't. You travel 50% of the time. I can look at the time, you know, the spreadsheet and show you that. But you know, at, at, when people get their heads around that, they're like, wow, that just changed my life because now I see like, yes, I'm, tr- you know, doing work half the week but I'm doing other stuff the other half of the week. People always ask, well, is my work-life balance right? You know, am I putting these things at the right amount? You know, what is good and bad? I don't know. I don't know if it's good or bad, but I do know that it's probably very work-heavy in the first half of the week. It's probably much more life-heavy in the second half of the week. Probably these two balances balance each other out. So we want to look at life holistically before we have any sort of sad stories we're telling ourselves about where all our time is going. Well, and you offer the time log for free. People can get it from your website, lauravandercam.com. Do you recommend that people send it to you after they fill it out or? If they'd like to, sure. I mean, I'm always willing to, you know, people have done this. I'm I'm perfectly happy to take a, a look. I mean, I can't promise like, you know, phone consultations right. or anything. Well, but it's a, I love it when people send me stuff, especially if you've analyzed it yourself and found something interesting in cool. it. And most people, when they track their time, will find something that they didn't know, right? Like they're like, wow, I'm spending way more time on X than I thought. Or I thought I was spending a lot of time on X and I'm not. So that also happens. Or I say Y is important to me. And curiously enough, I spent a grand total of 10 minutes on Y yep. in this week. Hmm, maybe I should do something about that. So it's it's always great to see the insights that people get. So as I've been listening to your podcast, I keep saying to myself, man, I wish you had like time therapy. Is that even a thing? <laughs> like, can I show up and be like, this is what I'm doing. What's wrong? Fix me, please. So if you don't I'll, have I'll that- make an episode for you. I'll make an episode <laughs> out of it. So, please. you know, you want to track your time, send it to me. We'll, we'll make we'll make an episode of before breakfast. About be- it. And I know that my life isn't normal because my time, there are very few people. It's construction 
construction workers and nurses that are up at 3.30 in the morning and morning show radio people. So there aren't many people that I can really relate to and talk to about what do you do because I go to bed or I say I go to bed at 8.30, (laughs) but I try to go to bed at 8.30 and it's like the rest of the world is still just winding down and maybe eating dinner and it's I'm with the old people. So it it is very weird for me. So I'm excited to fill this out and show it to you because – do you nerd out over time stuff like that? Oh, totally. I love it. There's nothing I like more. And I like analyzing big chunks that, you know, if I get a bunch of people to track their time and who are all of a certain demographic or yeah. something that I can see, ooh, people who do this are more likely to do this. So okay, yeah, maybe I I'll get my whole show to do it. I'll <laughs> that convince awesome. them this week to do it. When did you start studying time and time management and productivity? Well, you know, looking back on my life, I've probably always been interested in this. I was, you know, the kind of crazy person who was monitoring her schedule in college and, you know, knew when the tests were and the projects months ahead of time. But I'm uh, jealous. No, nah, you know, it's 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 a thing. <laughs> like I said, t- tons of fun. The girl with the spreadsheets. I love it. But I probably became more interested in it when I became a parent for the first time 12 years ago. And I, if any of your listeners have been through that transition, you know that it, it changes a lot about how you spend your time. I mean, partly that you are accountable to somebody else for how you're spending your time, um, that you have a lot more demands on your time than most people have before that. Obviously not everyone. There's people with various family care responsibilities, but for most people, that is the transition where they're all like, Oh wait, my time is not completely my own. I have all this other stuff I have to do. And so I became very interested in how people who were successfully you know, building happy families while also building big careers were doing it. And so I began studying their schedules, like ask people to track their time. And, and that's where my work has come from. It's, it's so incredible that you have built this. Can I call it an empire? I think it's an empire. Sure. You I'll, built I'll this, you built like this empire on what we do every day. It's literally the way we live. Time is the way we function as a society. And you've tackled it in a way that I've never heard. Personally, I've never heard anyone do it before. So I really, really want people to just either read one of your books, go to your website, do something, sign up for your newsletter. Your podcast (laughs) seriously has helped me. And I'm at a point now where I'm like, I need to make a list of all the things Laura has said. So your, (laughs) your life hacks that I printed is definitely helping. But one of the things that my alarm goes off every morning and I'm like, Oh, Laura, I hate you because your, (laughs) your whole no snoozing thing. And it's true. And there are mornings where I'm like, okay, I can do this. And there are mornings where I can't do it. But I want you to explain a little bit about why people shouldn't snooze. Yeah, well, snooze sleep is just lousy sleep. I I mean, there's no way around this, like sleeping in nine, 10 minute increments, whatever it's set for is, is not real sleep. But it feels so so good. (laughs) You're jerk, but you'll have to jerk yourself right back out of again. So you're you're multiplying the painful experiences, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) Of how many and it's also I mean, eventually you're going to have to get up. So, so you're kind of losing this battle with yourself every morning. Every time. Every time. But I think fundamentally it's like, since it is lousy sleep, just set your alarm for the time you actually intend to get out of bed. So rather than, you know, for not, not you, because the 3.30 thing is, is kind of wigging me out, but <laughs> let's say a normal job person has decided that, you know, they wanted to get up at 6, but they never get up before 6.30. Well, just set your alarm for 6.30. Like, and enjoy every last minute of sleep right up until that time. Be honest with yourself because, you know, you'll enjoy your sleep more. You'll feel more rested. 
then cutting up that last bit into smaller chunks. Yeah, I started doing that in nights where I know I'm going to bed later. I'm like, you're not going to wake up in the you're morning. You're not going to get up. To, to work it. out. Stop lying to yourself. Set the alarm for 4 or 4.15. So I have been doing that. So thank yeah. you for that yeah, extra 45 minutes. <laughs> no, that's that's good. I mean, make the decision about what time you intend to get up the night before. It's not a game day decision. It is a night before decision yes. based on how much sleep you need. Ideally, it is within the range of the amount you've determined you need. And, you know, if you've gone to bed late, that means you have to wake up later. Uh, if you go to bed earlier, then you can get up earlier. But this is this is not a, a thing that's improved by hitting snooze. One of the things I love that you talk about is one of the first things people check off their to-do list is answering emails. And you talk mm-hmm. about how that may not be the best route to go. And people who have side hustles or a lot of things going on, like I'm sure you, you've got people reaching out to you all the time. Why isn't email the best way to always start your to-do list? Because it expands to fill all available space. So if you start with email, you'll never finish email. But if you start with email, you'll never get to anything else either. Yeah. Whereas if you start with other things, you might make progress on them and get, you know, the email will still be there. I mean, it'll still take any time you give it. So you have to sort of choose how much time you are going to give email. You know, and I'm not saying never check email or whatever. It, like it's that. just, <laughs> yeah, it, for most people, that's just not going to work. It also doesn't work for most people to check it once a day or even twice a day. But even if you feel like you need to be on it like hourly, you're so much better off checking for, say, 15 minutes and then being off for 45 and then being on for 15 and off for 45 instead of having it always be an option. Um, because when it's always an option, you will never be able to focus on anything else. And it's so hard to do. I know this because yeah. it feels so productive to be there in your email deleting stuff and you know answering quick stuff like, OK, yeah, we, you know, it's like get rid of that one. And whereas a lot of other parts of life, like who knows if we're being productive, right? Like, I don't know, did I execute on my most important business and professional goals today? But I know for sure I got down from 150 unread messages to 75. So yay. It feels so good. But it's like, what did (laughs) I actually say? But what did I actually do? So email will still be there. If there's other things you want to do, do those first, then get to the email. That way you'll have time for both as opposed to if you're doing email, then you will only have time for email. In one of your episodes, I think specifically will help side hustlers a lot. You talk about making time of your workday and you've got this time to maybe go for a 15 minute walk or maybe that is a time where you can spend it doing something else. Talk a little bit about that and then also go into meetings because I have a personal vendetta against meetings. (laughs) After I heard your episode about meetings, I was like, yeah, Laura said no more meetings, which probably wasn't the best way to go. I I didn't say no. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I like went into work the next day and I was like, I'm not doing any more meetings. It's not good. And Laura told me, yes, no, I'd be in trouble here. You can certainly make time for other things during the workday. I had an episode on finding time to exercise, for instance, during the workday. And if that's your priority, you can certainly make time for that. You know, I think the key thing is recognizing you can do a lot in small bits of time. Uh, A lot of people are like, oh, I can't exercise because I can't take like 90 minutes off in the middle of the day. Well, who can, right? Like, (laughs) this is not actually, uh, if that's your comparison, and of course, you're going to say like, I can never do this. But if you say, well, could I take two 15 minute walks today? Well, yes, absolutely. Yes, you can do that. Maybe that's what you should be aiming for. And, And similarly, if you would wish to like, you know, you're trying to write a novel or something, or, you know, you are working on a business plan or all that. You, and you have a lunch hour. Well, you could, of course, go do that instead of, you know, surfing the web or something like that. Uh, you know, I'm, you, you have to be careful about it, of course. I mean, if you're planning on launching a competitor to your current yeah, company, maybe you don't want to do it right there on company <laughs> equipment. But, you know, if, if this is time that is recognized as being 
break time, you can certainly use it, you know, maybe for research or something else like that. So, so yeah, as for meetings, yeah, this was based on uh, an excellent book I read by Priya Parker called The Art of Gathering. And she plans professionally like big events, like huge conferences, or if, you know, you're having all your senior management of a place come together to shape the direction of the company, that's the sort of meeting she would plan. That's why you'd bring her in. But she had all these great ideas for just doing meetings better in general. And the key thing to recognize is that the reason you have a meeting is to change something in the world. Yes. And if nothing in the world is going to change, except everyone in that room is now 90 minutes older, like you don't need that meeting. And, and so, you know, be more judicious about when you have meetings. Um, every person in the room needs to be there. It is not the popular kids table in the middle school cafeteria. It is not nice to invite people who don't need to be there. It is a waste of their time. It is a waste of everyone else in their time because they'll, they'll deal with that person, even though that person doesn't need to be there. You need an agenda, obviously, for, for every minute that you are there and for every person who is there. Like if there's a time that somebody doesn't need to be there, like they don't need to be there. Like, you know, make sure that people are in the room who have to be in the room and everyone who is in the room has to be in the room for every minute that they are there. Yeah, I feel very passionately about this because I'll go five hours in the studio, more than that sometimes, and then have to go sit in an hour meeting. And I'm like, mm. my brain is fried. And so I had the CEO of Norwegian Cruise Lines, Andy Stewart, on our morning show. And I'm like, how do you feel about meetings? Yeah. You're a CEO. And he was like, I'm in way too many of them. But my rule for all of our meetings is no food and no chairs. Because mm. then everyone has to stand and no one's comfortable and you just want to get through it. People stop making their jokes, have a their little soapbox their little stand-up routine because what happens in all of our radio meetings everyone's got a personality so everyone's <laughs> trying to be funny and I was like I love that from now on we're all standing in our, yeah. in our meetings I thought it was a great well, tip yeah I mean that could be I mean but or even just you know defaulting to shorter meetings like meetings don't have to be an hour exactly. they could be 20 minutes like why why do you default to an hour other than that's what outlook gives you like don't do that like yeah. you don't have to rely on that I think it's also I mean, there's nothing wrong with meetings. There, right. there are reasons we have them, right? Like, you know, we need other people to solve problems in the world. And these people don't magically show up <laughs> when we wish them to show up with their minds on whatever we have you know, decided to think about at, at that given time. So there's reasons we do this. But what happens when companies become too wedded to the culture of meetings is that people call meetings basically just to make sure people are still doing their jobs. Because everyone has so many meetings yep. that the only way you can make sure they're still doing your project is to have a meeting because then people will prepare for it. Whereas if you don't have a meeting, you think they won't. But you've really got to push back against this and say, like, we, we only meet when we have to. We assume people are doing their jobs unless, you know, something comes up that right. they're not. It, you know, we don't do recurring meetings. Like, avoid those like the plague. Like, an every Tuesday morning meeting is, is just the kiss of death because then it stops earning its place on your schedule. I have an right? every Tuesday morning meeting. That's oh, hilarious. Well, there you go. Are you talking about me? <laughs> yep. It's a real thing. <laughs> I didn't know that, but uh, yes. Thanks for saying that. I appreciate it. No, it, it is true. I'm like, can we do this every other week? What has changed in the last six days and really not even five work days at this point if we're the way we're talking? It's like, I don't get it. And you're right. It does lose that Ex not, not excitement, but if it's on your schedule every week, you almost forget that it's there. Yeah. So yeah. I'm with you on that. So I'm, I'm trying to find a happy balance between my hating meetings and finding the proper meetings right now. So 
We'll see how that goes. So one of the biggest time killers or time wasters for me personally, like I should be a case study, is my cell phone and social media. (laughs) And one of you, I don't know if it was your quote, but you mentioned it in the podcast that being social makes time, social media kills time. And I've have that now saved in my phone and I keep repeating it over and over again because social media is a part of my job. But of course, scrolling endlessly, like eating a bag of Skittles and not paying attention is not part of my job. So I'm trying to find that balance. And I have that quote constantly in my head. But I love your take on getting off the phone. It's one of your life hacks. I guess explain a little bit about why or how we should get off of our phones. Yeah. So for one of my books, which was called Off the Clock, I had 900 busy people track their time for a day. And I found something interesting, which is that the people who had the most abundant perspective on time were more likely to spend their leisure time with friends and family, like interacting, doing stuff with these people. Whereas people who had the most scarce perspective on time, who felt like they were starved for time, were more likely to spend their leisure time, you know, online or, you know, in other screens, uh, but but spending it with, with screens as opposed to with real people. Right. And you know, these people were all equivalently busy. Like, you know, we weren't, it wasn't like the people who were spending time with friends and family had gobs of time and the screen time people had none. Like everyone had about the same amount of free time. It's just what you choose to do with it um, vastly, you know, changes your, your experience with it. And so if you're the kind of person who's like, yeah, you know, I take my family out to do fun stuff on Monday nights, or, you know, I go out and have dinner with friends, or I go to salsa dancing lessons or whatever it is. Like, it's hard to tell yourself you have no time. Whereas you can fully convince yourself that you have no time if you're sitting there scrolling around on yeah. Twitter for an hour, even though you had an hour, but like you can, you, oh, I'm so busy. I don't know. It's because it's like close to your inbox or something. And so it still feels like maybe you're working. Right. I don't know. So, you know, both can have a place in your life. I certainly am not saying don't be on social media. I'm on it professionally as, yeah. as you are. And I've met many wonderful people online. Um, It enables all sorts of amazing, amazing things. Oh, absolutely. The key is just making sure that you don't skimp on the in-person part of your life in order to spend more time in the online part. And the online part is so easy that it will naturally take most of it unless you are careful about it. So, you know, challenging people to put stuff in your life, like, you know, join that choir, join that bowling league, um, you know, do a book club with your friends. Uh, go to ha- ha- happy hour with your coworkers. You know, I, I have kids. Like I, I people listen, it was easier for her to say, if you have kids, you can't do any of that. That's not true. You can. <laughs> and, you know, you can involve your family and stuff too. Like you spend time with your family doing stuff rather than being on Twitter. Uh, so <laughs> it's like, it's the difference between spending an evening on, you know, hosting a dinner party or like being on Instagram, looking at photos of other people's din- dinner parties. Like they're, they're both an enjoyable way to spend your evening. But one is a lot more memorable and, fulfilling. and truly yeah. fulfilling than, than the other. So I have this question that I have asked in every single podcast because I'm so intrigued by these side hustlers and I wanted something to kind of take a long week to week. And I always ask people, what app do you use for your side hustle? But mm. then I heard one of your recent episodes where you talk about how people always ask you for time management apps or ways to be better with your time. And you basically shoot it down and like, no, don't put an app on your phone because it's going to make you want to be on your phone. And I was like, oh, no, she's so right. So 
you talk about paper planners and I want you to talk about planners and why that is better than apps because I completely agree with you and I heard that and I was like oh man that just debunked everything I've ever done but you're so right <laughs> yeah no I mean there's a lot of wonderful apps out there I mean some probably advertise on my show so I don't want to say like that there's uh, you know nothing you should use but you always have to be aware that the more apps are on your phone naturally you'll spend more time on yeah. your phone because any of these apps is something that's mildly interesting to look at. And, and very few people have the wherewithal to just go look at their productivity app and then do absolutely nothing <laughs> yeah, else never. with their phone. Never. So, you know, happen? you're, you're picking up the productivity app and you're like, Oh, I got six texts. Let me go check in. What's going on with that. Or, you know, my I, Twitter there's mentions or Instagram people who likes my posts. And, and so because of that, then you wind up wasting all this yep. time. And so anything you might have saved, by using this productivity app is burned by being on your phone. I, I think the cause of productivity is never advanced by making your phone more interesting. So I would recommend making it as dull as possible. And then, you know, one way to do that is to keep a lot of your planning processes and your, even your calendaring processes, if you can do this, offline. Um, so I have a paper calendar. I know a lot of people can't do that. I, I hear that all the time. You know, I was like, I have to use Outlook for work because of short right. meetings and things like that. And I totally get that. That's fine. You can still come up with ways. I, I challenge people to try to have one calendar for both work and personal. Maybe you can code stuff in your personal life if you don't want your colleagues to know about it. But it, if oh, you have smart. two calendars, you're going you're gonna to drop stuff. You're going to drop the ball left and right because you are one person. You have one set of hours. If you have two calendars, you're gone. But the paper planner helps me because then I'm not online while I'm thinking about what I'd like to do with myself and I'm not getting distracted and I can really put that time in and, uh, you know, works well for me. Is there a specific kind of planner that you swear It by? is a notebook from Target. Love it. Uh, and now, again, I'm not disparaging the high-end stuff because, like, like you know, they advertise. Like, right. But it's you don't need it. It's, it's certainly nice. It's nice to have nice pens. It's nice to have nice paper and nice notebooks. Often that makes people feel like the planning process is more serious, like they're putting more thought right. into it. I have a they're, they're honoring their goals right. by putting it in a nice notebook, and yep. that's great. But you can you can use one from Target. Literally sitting here in my pile of books. Yeah, there you go. Journal. And I started it, and it was great and all. And now I'm like, oh, well, now I have the goals journal book, but then I have the planner, then I have the notebook. It's like, what do I use? So... Yeah, I love that you just have a straight up notebook, but do you use that as a calendar as well or as a list? No, I, I use that for lists. Okay. So I make my priority lists for each week. Um, I plan my weeks on Friday afternoons, which I love is a that. tip that I would share with any of your listeners. It's a great time, I partly because it. you're not doing anything else on Friday <laughs> afternoon except sliding into the weekend. So you can repurpose some of this time for something that's actually productive. And by planning the upcoming week before you're actually in it, it allows you to oh, take yeah. some time to look forward and ask, well, what is important for me to do next week? If, you know, at the end of next week, what would I like to have said I've done? You know, what are my top priorities uh, professionally with my relationships for me personally? Let me list those. Let me look at my calendar. Let me see where those can go. So just if you do that, you, you vastly increase the chances that those things happen. Yeah. Whereas if you're like, oh, we'll see what happens next week. Well, you know, the odds aren't good that it's all going to be important stuff. But no, I have a paper calendar. I just, when I'm, when I have a time specific activity. It goes on the calendar. If I have a to-do for something that is time-specific and it's not now, I will put it on that date in the future. 
Um, or even like, I need to think about X on this date. So I choose a, a day before I actually have to do it to, to think about it. But the planner notebook, yeah, has my priority list for the week and then my to-do list for each day. And then, you know, little collections of things, which is what the, the, the name, the bullet journal people use for it. I didn't know it was a thing. I apparently oh. uh, have my own hacked out bullet journal without knowing that. But, you know, things like books I've read or things I want to do over the weekend or anything along those lines, people I should reach out to. I love the plan your uh, week on Friday. I actually started doing it after hearing that episode of Before Breakfast. I, right before I called you for this, started my email to send out to the rest of our morning show for the next week. So I started doing that and telling everyone, all right, Monday, we've got this going on. Tuesday, we have to record this and so and so and so and so. And they've all said to me, oh my God, this is so helpful. Instead oh, of just tackling it the day before, it's like, oh, I they can now plan their weeks knowing a week ahead of time what's going on. So You've yeah. helped a lot of us with just that oh, good. small well, thing. That way, you know, it's like Tuesday's really, really busy, but Wednesday's not. Like, it, it allows yeah. you to get through Tuesday without feeling horrendous about it because you're like, oh, yeah, it's bad, but I can see that the workload for Wednesday is lighter. So, Absolutely. you know, it's so much better to look at the whole week. Yeah, I'm a big fan of that. And one of the things I do want to end on, it's something super positive that I love you've talked about, is create a list of 100 dreams or things you want to do. And wh- why 100 things did you say to write down? Well, because it's a big number. Yeah. Um, it's a very big number. Yeah. And people, it's it's not easy to write no. down 100 things you'd like to do. Um, people are familiar with the concept of like a bucket list. Yeah. And, and this is like it, but like 100 things is hard. And I got this exercise many years ago from a career coach named Caroline Sinise Levine. And she did it with her clients because it, she wanted people to start thinking about what they like to do with their time. You know, we're so focused on what we don't like about our time and, you know, what we wish we could spend less time doing. But it's far more productive to ask what you want to spend more time doing. And and so this list gets at it. Um, but it doesn't just get, you know, like go to Italy, like, OK, great. You know, we've got that on there. Right. <laughs> learn, learn Spanish. Awesome. You know, by 100, you, you really dig into the bottom yeah. of the barrel. Uh, but that gives you all sorts of things that are very doable. Too. And, and things you might not have thought of at first, but if you spend a couple days coming back to this list, eventually like, oh, yeah, you know, I kind of like shopping in ribbon stores or whatever your random thing is. And, and then you'd be like, well, I wonder if we have any in this town where I'm <laughs> visiting, you know, for a conference. Hey, funny, there is one like three blocks from my conference. If I've got a break between sessions, I'm going to go check it out. And, and then you start having these little adventures in your life and, and it just feels so much better. Then you know, what normally happens is people have open time, but because they think they don't have any time, they, don't, they haven't thought about what to do with it. Right. Whereas a list like this gives you ideas. Um, and so you can be more intentional about that time. Awesome. Well, first of all, thank you for being on this podcast because I know your time is valuable and you've taught me that a lot about through listening to your podcast. It's a Friday at almost 5 p.m. Am I getting the time right? On the, Something like that. On the yeah, East Coast. So, on the East Coast. Yeah, I appreciate it very, very much. And I really, really, really want people to listen to you before breakfast because it literally comes out before breakfast in the morning. It's a short podcast. It's a little nugget each morning. And I think people will, I know people will really gain a lot from it. But where can they find you next? Is there a speaking engagement or something you've got coming up where people can go out and support and, and see you? Anyway. Um, I, yeah, I'm trying to think what's what's public. Right. I do a lot of corporate speaking, so I'm like, hmm, I don't know. Uh, you could crash the headquarters of somewhere. But, Let's uh, do it. So you can definitely come visit my website, which is lauravandercam.com. And, you know, like you said, you can get a time log there. You can subscribe to my newsletter. I blog like four days a week, so there's new content all the time. How do you um, do this? And you can, you know, hear about my, my books, my podcast, uh, and, and I hope people will check those out. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. Well, thank you for having me.
Thank you for listening to Side Hustlers. Make sure you check out Laura's podcast. It's called Before Breakfast. It's on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. She does post a new episode daily, and they're short. Like I said, I listen to them when I'm in the shower. They are super helpful. If you're new to Side Hustlers, like I said earlier, this episode is a little different than the others. Normally, episodes specifically highlight people who have created their own business outside of their day job. Some people even took that side hustle and made it their full-time job. So feel free to browse around and listen to any of these episodes that I've had in the past. There's over 60 of them. You don't have to listen to them in order. Sometimes I do reference previous episodes, but they're all standalone episodes with no spoilers, I promise. So I'd love to hear from you. As always, it's at the Carla Marie on Instagram, but I'd love for you to email me about literally anything. It can be a side hustler recommendation. If you know someone in your life who would make a great guest, it's side hustlers podcast at gmail.com. Or if you've got a question about the podcast or a question you think I should start asking everyone who is a guest side hustlers podcast at gmail.com or if you have a question about anything it doesn't have to be related to side hustlers it's side hustlers podcast at gmail.com next week I am talking to one of the co-founders of modern fertility I've used their at-home kit that tests what's going on in your lady parts now guys don't be turned away because this episode is for everyone Carly is coming to us from Silicon Valley where she was originally working for Uber when she co-founded Modern Fertility. She's got an incredible story. I'm excited for you to hear it. Until next week, though, keep hustling. The weekly podcast that started it all. They just wanted to have fun as they dreamt of one day having their own morning show. And now they do. But the tradition continues every Friday. My Day Friday with Carla Marie and Anthony. Available worldwide on the iHeartRadio app. Kick off your weekend with Carla Marie and Anthony. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Johnny B. Good, the host of the podcast, Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company, Centratech. I'll explore how 320-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, stories from the frontiers of marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way. It's getting to to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine. And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. 
Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.